That's just the uh, praise God A declaration about Him, about the Lord, um, who who is. Thank you. Praise God. It says the Father loveth the Son, and has given all things all things into, into his hand, committed all things, praise God. The Father loveth the Son, amen. amen. John 3, verse 35, praise God. Um, the Father loveth the Son and had given what? All things, all things into, um, into his hand, praise God. And um, that love, is also what is the Son is extending to us as well. He said, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Praise God. Um, this love that the Father has for the Son um, is... The, he didn't just love the son, he loved a man. So because that, that love, because a man has partaken of that love, every other man has access to us to the same love as well. And that's the beauty, that's why we appreciate Jesus because of what he has given us um, privilege to 
to come into. Praise God. That he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not shall not see life. Praise God. But the wrath of God abideth in, in him. Glory to Jesus. He loveth the Son. um, Colossians chapter chapter 1 Praise God Verse 12, that thanks unto the Father, right? Which had made us meet, able, qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints where in light, the inheritance of the saints in light who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise Jesus. He has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son or his beloved son. Do you see that? Um, So you see that the son is the, um, he's our, When he says that he has made us meet, verse 12, able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And then there's a colon after that. That colon is telling you what he's saying next, right? It's almost like an explanation of that, which is that making us meet is, has something to do with the Son of God that making us able to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light has to do with the the person or a relationship with the with the son of god who is jesus our lord praise god um now what they want what the lord wants to bring us into uh, Jesus himself, what he wants to bring us into is a kind of inheritance. Um, because inheritance is the portion of sons, right? What you, what a son, what the father has that the son has a claim to by right is an inheritance. It's an inheritance received from the Father. And then what he is saying is that the Lord has made us meet, able to be partakers, right, of the same inheritance that of the saints were 
in light of the saints in light. Glory to God. You know, Jesus himself said I am said I am the light of the world. Right? He said, He that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but will have the the light of life. John eight verse twelve. Jesus speak, then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the light of life is the light of inheritance. Is the light of inheritance. He said, because why do you need the light of life? Because the inheritance of the saints is in light. In light of the, the inheritance of the saints in light. So if you if the inheritance is in light and you want to make men meet able to be partakers, you must have you must give them a light. They must be able to come into that light, praise God, that makes gives them access to the inheritance in light. And that's who the, the Son of God is. He said, I am the light of the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That he is what? He is the light of the world. Glory to God. Um, so this inheritance that we're talking about, we have to look at this inheritance and really understand the inheritance in the spirit. That why, why do you need to understand it? That the inheritance is a thing of understanding. Or at least, very late, you must be able to gain access to the inheritance through an understanding. That's what light here means, understanding. Where understanding. Say understanding. Understanding, understanding is, um, you can't have inheritance without understanding. You can't have access to what the sun brings without understanding or light. Right, first John chapter five, right? He said that. Um, let's see that. First John five verse twenty. Is it twenty? Praise God, that we know that the Son of God is come, and has given us an understanding. That is what the Son is has given to us. Praise God. You know, say He has given us an understanding. We know that what he brought us life, right? That um, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more, what, abundantly, that they might have life. Here is saying, I have come for life. Then First John 5 said, he came and gave an understanding. So it's clear that this understanding is the is for is the understanding of life. Is how is God bringing life to man? But He's bringing him through a light, right? 
true light, that that light, there's something about everyone must realize that every, as long as you're a man, as long as you are not, you were not among them, right, from the eternal past, like you're not, when you say let us, you are not among that us, right, as long as you are not part of the divine eternal deity, you, you will only access their life through the light that they give, through the light that, and this light, man doesn't have it in himself. No, but no man has the light to know God in yourself. The light to know God is a man who is the son of God called Jesus Christ. And it's through him that you see life. That I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the understanding of life, shall have the illumination, shall have the comprehension. What it means is that anyone who doesn't follow me, what they will call life is not life. What they will interpret as life, what they will conceive or perceive to be life will not be life. Now you have to understand, this is not talking about, they didn't say he that is born again. Or he that's, you know, someone can assume because you're you are born again, you have some comprehension, a concept of God's life. It's not true. You can have the life in a form in your spirit, but in your soul, which is the functional part of your being, right? You can be, someone can be very bankrupt of that life. Why? Because the life of God, I mean, I mean live in a livable way, in a, in a way that can be worked out, that form resides in the soul. And what the, the scripture is saying, these are principles of the New Testament that can never be broken. You can never come around it in any way. You can't, no one will live the life of God operationally, functionally, effectively, without having access to a, an understanding. I know this is the biggest problem that we have. The world is full of Christians who don't understand what Christianity is. We, the gap between what we are in our spirit and what we know is very vast. So that makes us live a different reality on the earth than who we are, we are in our spirit. But the more we know this man and the more we follow him, there will be, begin to be an interpretation, a translation of what life is into the soul. And this is the task. When you get born again, you come to church. You're coming here to learn the life that came into your spirit and all the deposit of life which God has in him for man. Praise God. So, so let's go back to 1 John 5. So you see that um, he, the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. You see that. And we are in him that is true. Even his Son, Jesus Christ, that this is the word true God and eternal life. The true God and who? Eternal life. Praise Jesus. 
Hallelujah. So, so uh, the Son of God is coming, has given us an understanding. Um, this understanding is the, um, it's the, it's, you can still call it the message. First John chapter 1, let's see it that way. There are a lot of scriptures that bring this to us. He said that this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is what? Light. God is light and where in him is no darkness at all. Let's go on. So that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Now another is not another person, it's him. He's the other, amen. So if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And through that fellowship, the blood of Jesus Christ, his word, son, cleanseth us from all sin. So this dividend of cleansing from sin is a major part of the inheritance. Let's take this back to Colossians chapter 1. You see it. After speaking, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us me to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, then, who had delivered us from the power of darkness, had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Then you see, colon, in whom, right, in this son, we have redemption through the blood, even the word forgiveness of what? Even the forgiveness of sins. Go on. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Praise God. Say, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were what, created by him and for him. What they're telling is that he is, is the light through by, with which all things were created. Praise God. That's the reason why he can redeem all things. Because he has the information. Redemption has to do with bringing it back to, making it making it um, making it suitable for the original intention of use right making a creature reformatting a creature whatever the job needs to be done if it needs to be brought back if it needs to be recreated if it needs to be reimaged whatever needs to happen to bring it back to the state of original state of intended use that's what redemption means you see that so the reason why he's able to redeem, he has the powers of redemption in him, 
is because in him was life. In him has the light, that light that lighted everything. In him, he is the divine prototype. He's actually the eternal prototype from which all things came. So when you check him, you can find the exactness of everything. He has the exactness of everything. It doesn't matter how far gone a man is from God's purpose, unintended use. You have, there is a copy of who you are meant to be. Exactly, accurately, in Jesus. That's what makes Jesus the light of the world. So because he's the light of the world, all men need to do is just follow him. Right? You need to follow him. And if you follow him, you'll be able, you will find out, you'll find the light of life. Do you see that? Why do you need the light of life? Because what we lack is life. Why, when you say redemption is needed, why do you need redemption? It's because someone came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Right? Anything that has been stolen from, that has been killed and dest- or destroyed, will need redemption. Right? Glory to God. When I say, you know, destruction is not just one time. Destruction is a process. So someone on the road to destruction, if they still encounter this man, right, somewhere on the way to destruction, if the man is, intercepts such a soul, he said at that point, he said, any time in that journey I come, I will come that you may have life. You see that? And that you may have life more abundantly. More abundantly. Why is he able to do that? Why is he able to intercept any creature in their journey towards destruction and bring them back? Bring them and, to, and redeem them. It's because of he has the all-sufficiency of lights. That the, no matter the wicked work of destruction that has been done, you can't, the enemy, this thief that they speak about, like I told you before, thief has to do with wisdom, that this thief cannot tie a knot that Jesus cannot untie. <laughs> do you get what I'm no matter, And he's wicked. He's extremely wicked. He has a, a wicked nature. A wicked nature means with wisdom, cunning wisdom, he can do cunning works, right? He can do cunning works. That, his cunningness, his wisdom, the, the brightness of his stature makes him a destroyer, right? You know, it takes great wisdom to destroy. It takes significant wisdom. To destroy something doesn't mean just spoil it. To destroy it means you will do something wicked to it that puts it in a state where it can never be useful anymore. Right? So it means destruction takes a high wisdom. Right? This entity, Satan, is wiser than most creatures. Most creatures, wiser than them. And inside him, he has the power of destruction. 
because of that wisdom which he has. Praise God. But he's a, and he, he does, he, his, his work has a boast to it. You know, he can do something and boast. Who else? Who can undo what I have done? You know, the way, the way he has crafted sin and given man, given brought sin into our world. And the world, what sin? Sin is so, is so tight and so solid that all men have given up about sin. All Christians have given up about sin. They say, we can't be free from sin. Let's just go to heaven. Let's just wait for the rapture. Let's keep sinning until wait for the rapture. Christians say nobody can be perfect. You can't know why because we feel that this thing that this wicked being has done, no man can undo it. We don't believe. We, we've lost belief about it. You know, a lot of Christians have stopped fighting against sin. You know, you, you know <laughs> there's in a kind of pure naivety that a newborn again Christian has. It's a zeal. That initial zeal where you just you feel you're, you're never going to sin again. You have you are done with all things, amen. But when do you now praise God? There's a grace period of that time when you now begin to to stay in the world. You discover that there are wisdoms in the world that are powerful than, than your zeal to be holy. The world doesn't give you the option to be holy. As long as you want to, you now find out that a lot of people who are trying to use their strength to be holy, they are doing it by the, by the strength of avoidance. Right? It's avoidance. Just avoid things. Oh, I'm not going there anymore. No, I won't do that. No, I won't, do that. I won't watch this anymore. I won't, no, I won't talk to that person. You can drive away all their friends. I won't do it. No, no more. But the thing with avoidance is not sustainable unless you want to go to heaven today. But if you're going to be in the world, the world is already, the world is just waiting for you. You know you'll come back as long as you're here. Just Let's give you grace. Enjoy your burn again. After, your, after some time, you'll come back. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, that, and lo and behold, that happens. But to, to undo what has been done, that wicked seed, that wicked creature called sin, um, which, which is destructive, praise God. You need this man, Jesus, right? He said, that, but I have come that they may what, have life. So why can Jesus save someone on the way to destruction? Because Jesus is a destroyer too. Right? Jesus is a destroyer. No one can destroy like him. Right? And then he said that for this reason was the Son of God made manifest to do what? Destroy all the works of the devil. So prove Satan, you're not the only one who can destroy. I'm also a destroyer. So he that committed sin is of the devil. First John 3 verse 8. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son, because of what the devil has done, 
right? For this purpose, God now has his own. He brought his own and said, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. God manifested. It means God had a son somewhere in him, right, from time. Then in due season, while men were without strength, when all men, has, even Israel had given up, they, they, at some point Israel, they had already submitted the priesthood to Satan. They had taken off, given over. The high priests were workers. They were employed in the devil's payroll already. How do I know? They are the ones who killed Jesus. Doing the devil's bidding. Right? It was a time of darkness on the earth. But they say, when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Right? God sent him, amen. He sent his son, and then he manifested him. And so every time the son of God is manifested, whenever you are able to manifest the son, what will happen? He begins to destroy what? The works of the. Now, where are the works of the devil? In men. Now, unbelieving, those who haven't become born again only, right? If you come to a church, will you find these works of the devil? Are they inside Christians? Born again Christians. Okay, let's not just say Christians. Are they inside people who listen to the word of righteousness? You believe that? <laughs> So, so anyone to whom the, in whom the Son of God has not yet been manifested will still have the works of the devil. Yeah, you will still have the what? The works of the devil. But thank God for Jesus. Say thank God for Jesus. So Jesus can destroy everything because he's that prototype, right? Um, John chapter 1, verse 1, he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Word was God. The same Word was in the beginning with God. Then all things were made by him. That means I was saying that it was the light through which um, all things were made. And it was the light, the power. Amen. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the what? Was the light of men. The life that he is was the light. I said this light is the calling, is the illumination of man. Is the actual is the right interpretation of man. It's the understanding of man. This life, glory to God. Verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness. And then what happens? Darkness comprehended it not. So this light is a light that is beyond the comprehension of darkness. Right? So if darkness cannot comprehend the light. It means that the, the wisdom power of darkness at its highest level 
is not is below the 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 <laughs> the, the movement is below the design is below the understanding of this light. Are you seeing that? So when he said the light shineth in darkness, this darkness where there is a darkness where they want this light to shine. There's a, there's a particular darkness where when you say darkness, darkness of course is a, is, a, is a child of Satan. It's something that Satan has incubated, but there are places where he put them. All right? Number one place where he put darkness is in the world, what you call the world. That's the number one place. Then there's, there's darkness that the world cannot co- contain. Because it's more sophisticated than the world, which is his own darkness that is in him. Right? That's the darkness of Satan. Do you understand? <laughs> but that the darkness of Satan himself, men can take it. Men can take it. Men can have it. What man can have in himself? If if a man can have God, a man can have the devil. So when I'm saying darkness, I'm talking about his what he became. You know, he was a Lucifer, bringer of dawn, light bearer. When he turned his brightness, right? That was Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight, right? Say that. Let's see that quickly. Um, the son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the psalm. You see, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, for thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Um, you see, all these precious stones. Then the workmanship of thy tabrets, of thy pipes, was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. And thou art the anointed cherub that cover it. I have set this so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down where? In the midst of the stones of fire. Okay. And thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. Okay. And by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Do you see them? So this entity is talking about something that was found in him, right? That nature of, you call, you call it iniquity. Then now it says, thou hast sinned. So iniquity or sin, right? These are the things that were found inside Satan, praise God. Now, this entity, what he, that thing that he's carrying, I mean his mind, everything about him, how he thinks, he can put it in so, into men. Right? He has, a way, he has a way of investing in men. And it's very clear. Right? We know 
all the, the thoughts of men. That's what Jesus was saying. Let's go back again to that place. Um, so you are the, the father, your father, the devil. Praise God. John 8 verse 44. It says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. So if you're doing his lusts, it means the lusts are in you. Right? If he says you are of him, when he says a person came of this person, and he said he's your father, he's talking to men and said, so you are a man, but the devil has fathered you. He's your father, actually. Right? Father, not biologically, of course. He's talking about the concept of fatherhood of the soul, where the inward spiritual characteristics that the devil has, he has found a way to produce them inside these people. And by as far as they are concerned in the realm of the spirit, he is your father. Because you are attributing, when we check your, your type of lust, you are, your lust is not, is, is, this is the lust of your father. Uh, right, and I, I said before that this is not lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life, which John said are all these things that are in the world, right, in 1 John chapter 2. But those are one level of lusts. That, but this is the lust of the devil, of himself. This one, what he calls the world, is not really enough to carry the lusts of the devil. The devil will need men who are willing to commit to him beyond being worldly. Right to commit to him, and that's what these all these men, the ones who ended up killing Jesus, they are not. It's not worldliness that makes you kill the Lord, the King of Glory. What made them kill Jesus was more than lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Right, those things. You see that conversation that this is a holy man is a threat to my what I. I to the things that we have established. Let us kill him. Now, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, part of life, they don't have that conversation. I, you, can you get what I'm trying to tell you? Even though there is, there is a lust there, and there is a pride there, but it's not of the world, it's not worldly. When they were thinking of killing Jesus, they were not thinking about the world. <laughs> Do you agree with me? They were not thinking about what? About the world. What they were trying to protect are things that their father gave to them. To keep. Do you get that? It's, it's something that has to do with themselves. That Jesus was against. You know, Jesus was when Jesus was talking about these things, he was, he was, his words were attacking their lusts. 
on the inside, right? You know, they, they found a life, especially those Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, those guys, the elite, right? They were able to carve out a life that's beyond worldliness. Why a lot of the Israelites were worldly? They were not worldly. Most of them were not worldly. Most of them have gone beyond being worldly. Many of them. How does Satan make someone move from being worldly to being more than worldly? Satan will entice you with something more than the world. Do you, understand? Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Yeah. I know he tempted Jesus with the, he tempted Jesus with the world. That one, Jesus overcame that one. No, he took him to the pinnacle. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glories. Jesus left them. Then, then he, he tempted Jesus with himself. So he t- this was from an exceeding high mountain. He showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Right? Then at some point, he then took him to the pinnacle of the temple and told him, cast himself down. And then the what? Is it not written that the... Let's go back to that place. Let's see. The holy city. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. Verse 6. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give the angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. This is one. Let's see the one of worshipping him. So I'm showing you the two things he told him that are beyond Worldliness beyond the world. Amen. Again, the devil taketh him up into an ex. No. Okay. Praise God. So, okay, this is the one of, okay, it's the same one. And showed him all the kingdom of the world and the glory of them. Praise God. And said unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou would the word, fall down and worship me. The third one is bread to stone. Sorry. Let me see that one. And when the temper came, he said, if thou be the son of God. Okay, go back to, to command that this stone be made bread, right? Go back again to the one just before this. The pinnacle of the temple one. Not pinnacle, sorry, the Mahai mountain. The kingdoms of this world. Okay. Of the glory of them, then go on. Next one. And said, these things I will give thee if thou fall down to worship me. Now, so you see, this one, he showed him the world and asked him, worship. If you worship me, I will give you the world. So the temptation is the, is the world. You understand? But you know that the other two, what was tempting him was more than this. 
He was telling him, if thou be the son of God. Do you understand that temptation? He didn't mention that in this one when he was showing him the kingdoms of the world and all that. And all of that. Because given, those are the things that you tempt ordinary men with. Right, those are things, what you tempt ordinary men with. This temptation is very, very clear. Anybody, once you have a kind of spiritual sense, you will know that don't accept the kingdom of the world, number one, and the glory. And you know, number two, don't worship Satan. <laughs> right? You know that these this are bad things to do. It's easy. Right? It's a, once you, if you're a man that has been helped spiritually, you can know that these are bad things to do. You won't do them. But the other two are not of this order. The other two, a righteous spiritual man can look at those two and not see temptation. Number one, the devil did not mention himself there. He didn't include himself in those two temptations. And then secondly, he was making an, is something he was asking Jesus to do based on his sonship with God. And the things that you will look at, they are no more turn bread to, turn stone to bread at this time of thine hunger. As a son of God, can't you, don't you have the right to command these stones to be made bread righteously? All right? And he didn't say, I am Satan, and I'm here by telling you as Satan to do this. No, he's just asking, if thou be the son of God, do it. The other one, he took him right to the holy city. Said, if thou be, set him, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And says, if thou be the son of God, if thou be the son of God. You see the same thing. Cast thyself down. Now, why is, it, why is it tempting him with these two son of God ones? Especially because God just announced him as the son of God very recently. Say, this is my beloved son in whom I am what? I'm well pleased. Then this one, he then also added scripture to make you that know that he's not saying something. He's not saying, I devil, what I want you to do. He's saying the Bible says. And he's telling you that there's a charge that angels have concerning a son of God. That they will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, now can you see, I want you to see two different minds. The mind it takes to overcome that temptation about the world and bowing to, to Satan. It's not the same kind of mind you need. Most spiritual minds will not see these two as temptations. Right. It takes another kind. So what Satan wanted him to sin against is not, it's not worldliness. It's sin against your sonship with God. Right? It's to sin against what? 
I would use your sonship with God to satisfy a different type of lust. Is, and this, the lost here is not very visible, like the kingdom of the world. When you're seeing kingdom of the world and their glories, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, mainly what this one is, is a different kind of what? A different kind of lust. Different kind of lust. It's, it's a lust of, of taking, using your sonship. It's the kind of thing Satan did. Yeah. What Lucifer's son of the morning did. Using his estate as a son to fulfill a lust that is not with written in the curriculum of sonship. Do you see that? Okay, that means that, can you now imagine that? So it means that as a son, you know what we call lost pride and lost of the eyes, lost of the flesh, pride of life, the more obvious things that are spiritually discerned, the mind of Christ can explain what the world is to you, make you see what the world is, right? When you have a spiritual mind, you can discern all the things that can be harmful in the kingdoms and their glory. But a spiritual mind might not be enough to know that why it's wrong to turn stone to bread at that time. Okay. Show me the scripture that says don't turn stone to bread. In ah, uh, there's not it's not like nothing like that. But but there's something about the mind that the mind that Jesus had that made him know that this was not right to at this point in time to command the stone to become bread. Amen. Amen. Now, so you are you going? Are you seeing why? Now, I want to explain. Tell me what was informing Jesus about the right thing to do. Right. For Jesus to relate that with man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that word. So it means that. Jesus' everlasting mind was able to read the temptation in that situation that this is not just about turning or not turning, that this is a, there's something tempting me to, to, to use my sonship and to reduce my sonship, which is meant for life. And to take liberty. You know, it's a liberty that he could have taken in that moment. To do something that is not bad. But it's not bad, but if you do it, you can shut a life door.
you can shut a life. Are you seeing things that count as sin in this, in this realm are not other things? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You can just, by just doing that, it's, a sin. it's not a sin. Nobody will ever see it as a sin. Nothing. You, but that can be done. And Satan knew he shouldn't do that at that time. Say, but by every word that proceeds from what? From the mouth of God. Now, look at the other one about casting himself down. Right? Which is, it seems like a simple thing. But Jesus said that this, doing this now will be tempting. He said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Can you see how this kind of situation can play, be playing out every day in the life of a Christian? Yes, sir. Or even multiple times a day, and the Christian can be failing constantly. Yes, sir. A holy brother. Yes, when, the, when, the, when the divine, when the divine, the, the divine nay, spirit, the, 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 the prophetic spirit, is saying, don't go to that nice place. Wow. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And that place is nice, nothing wrong and everything, but because it's not a sinful place, it's nothing. It's, it's a lovely place by every standard, right? But not knowing that in the divine code, Taking the liberty to go there can be tempting the Lord by yeah. God. And there are many reasons why you might do You might know that ah, this realm, how far I've come with God. Ah, nothing can, angels are there. What is going to happen? <laughs> and a spiritual man would make that mistake. Do you, see, you get what I'm trying to say? A spiritual man gets to a situation, it's time to, for a miracle, it's time to lay hands, and you lay hands. Of course, as a brother, you quote the scripture, if anyone be fallen sick, what they call the elders of the church, and lay hands on them, it's spiritual, you do it. You understand what I mean? But for, but for his son, that it, can, it, it can be wrong to... For, it can be wrong to someone to, to apply the miraculous in that situation. That this is not a, like turning stone to bread as a miraculous. That don't use the miraculous in this time. Leave it. <laughs> Are you seeing that? So you see the... the, the, the um, 
You know, you wonder, what does Satan really do? Do you get what I'm trying to say? If you're just using your normal sense of Christian things, what did this guy really, really do? Hmm? We know, number one, he didn't really kill angels because they are still alive. Some of the ones that are troubling you, they came, they came with him. It's possible that if you take a spiritual person who has the mind of Christ, and then you went there and they played out everything Satan did, you say, is this all that he did? That? The, the way they write it, you feel it, you think it was so visible. You think, is it so visible? Then seraphim followed him. Those kind of seraphs, Isaiah 6 kind of angel. But a burning one that saw what Lucifer was doing and believed it was correct. That would tell you that if you bring an average spiritual person, they won't be able to see anything wrong. See, when he said, till iniquity was found in you, that iniquity, what eyes is, 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 is being used to extray that? That's a, a divine eyes. Glory to God. Praise Jesus, you see. So, so Jesus, what was operating in Jesus is clear. It was a light. Right, it's a light. Men need this light. If you don't have this light, you won't please God. You will feel you are pleasing God. You will feel you are doing okay. You will check, I've done this, I've done everything, I've done that. You get what I'm, and that's the danger of, of not having meekness towards when this light begins to shine, when they begin to teach, when Jesus, they begin to teach Jesus and bring light of Jesus, don't mark the script and say, I don't approve this, this doesn't sound like, don't know, because you don't really know what is, what is right to God. <laughs> it's clear that he had a light. This was a lighting man. When he came on the scene, right, at the time when he came to Israel, the, the, the Pharisees were the standard of righteousness. The Pharisees, they had, what they were doing was they took, and no one gave them the office. They by themselves took the office of the interpretation of the law. They just, just by themselves, before you know it, they, and of course who anointed them is Satan, of course. Satan anointed them, Satan gave them the influence, the devil, and made the Jews to be, to be listening to them and value their insight concerning things. Right? They, so they just took that seat as we are the ones, we, we interpret the law, we do everything. They began to interpret the law of Moses. They emphasized some things. They emphasized some other things. Based on what? A, 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 work, a wisdom. Is a lost on the inside. That, that lost that they had was giving preference to some things. Right? Of course, what the lost will prefer are the things that are the less important ones. And the important things, that lost will hate them. 
something like mercy. Lost will hate mercy. Because that lust of the devil, he knows, he knows what mercy is. He knows that if you leave mercy with Israel, it's a problem. He would rather leave Israel with no fornication, no adultery, no stealing, no lying. You see those hard, the things you, you believe are the real righteousnesses. Satan wasn't afraid. Let Israel be like that. It wasn't troubling him, but mercy, faith, 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 say faith. Faith. You know when Jesus came, that was what Jesus was lamenting. How can this be God's people? I go everywhere, I can't find faith. Just to find a little faith. When Jesus finally saw one tiny faith, and he he wasn't even a Jew. The centurion servant. So how bankrupt was Israel of faith? You see that? He said, ah, I, he said, I have not found such faith. At one point, he said, I've not found, I've been going around Israel. He said, I've not found so, one such faith before. It means that the people were really, really bankrupt. Why? Why were they bankrupt? It means that in all the Pharisees' doctrine, <laughs> there's no chapter. If they give you the book of the Pharisee, you see what chapter of tithe would be massive like this. Massive. They will explain tithe in and out, back and forth, reason for where tithe came from. They will explain everything. You see all manner of things. The book on adultery and fornication will be big. All those things will be <laughs> mighty. The, uh, imagine the chapter on retribution. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, all those things. <laughs> no, those things sound like righteousness. They will be big, but check it. You get to the back of the book, nothing called faith in there. Nothing called mercy. Nothing called judgment that is spiritual. What those things that, that Jesus called the weightier matters of the law will be absent from their book. Who did that? It's Satan. Who decided what should be in the curriculum of the Pharisees and what should be absent? It's a lost. It's not lost for worldly things. You know that the message of praise God. <laughs> Uh, Matthew 22, verse 23, 23, says, Woe unto you, the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and what? Faith. This ought ye to have done and not to leave the others. So Jesus had a problem with them that Israel, you took Israel into your care. God didn't send you. But you took Israel into your care all this time. And this is the state I meet them. Without faith. Not understanding what mercy. You saw how it played out when they brought all the stones, right? Against the adulterous woman. About a stone. Jesus said, calm down. Began to write on the ground. Wrote on the ground. Who knows, maybe he was writing all the things that I have said from their (laughs) curriculum. All the... The chapters they ought to have that they, they om- omitted. <laughs> what he wrote on the ground and say, okay, who ha- he who has no sin, let him do what? 
Praise God. Thank God. You see, everything I'm saying about Jesus, what is it showing you? It's telling you this man had a light that was different. He had, he had a different light. When he was addressing Satan, right, replying to him, man shall not live by bread alone. How did he arrive at that scripture? How did he connect that temptation with those things? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord. How did he, how, it's a light, the light thou, that he, which he was, right? Which a light which he was, praise God. First John, sorry, John chapter one called him, said in him was life, and that life was what? The light of men, the light of men. Glory to God. Every man, you see this light should be the light in the church. When he came, you know, he said it. He was speaking to, I think he was his disciples. He told them, he said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Right? Let's see that. For I say unto you, Matthew 5 verse 20, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the word kingdom of heaven. In no case will you do what? Enter into what? The kingdom. That, this, when he says your righteousness, he's talking about is your sense, your light of righteousness. Right? Your, the, the light and both the light and the life of righteousness which you have if it doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, that you shall in no case enter into the kingdom. So that entrance that he's speaking about here is via a deliverance and a translation according to Colossians chapter 1. Right, Colossians chapter 1 says, who has delivered us from the word? Power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You see that? <clears throat> so coming into the kingdom, you can't separate that from the deliverance from a, a power of darkness. That power means the grip of darkness. This power of darkness is what, of course, the Pharisees were under the spell of darkness. It's with this darkness they were reading the law and bringing out interpretation and leaving things out. <laughs> because they did not have the light and has translated us into the kingdom of his word of his dear son in whom we have redemption <coughs> thank you father in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins even the what the forgiveness of sins glory to God so like I said, this forgiveness of sins um, will happen according the, in the fellowship of light. Right? Through the forgiveness of sin. The word, when they say deliverance from power of darkness, then translation, the trans, 
translation. Translation tells you that this entering into this kingdom is not a one time, it's not born again. I just got born again, I'm now in the kingdom. No. You don't use that kind of thing for translation. Do you use an instant thing for translation? Trans means journey. It means you must be transported. Right? You have to be to be translated into the word kingdom of his dear son. What causes our translation or call is by the, that fellowship of light. It's through. You get translated in a person. In the person of Jesus. When you move into that person, there in the person of Jesus are gates and doors of entrance into what? <laughs> into the kingdom of the, because it says into the kingdom of Israel. in whom? In whom? When it says in whom we have, it means to have it, you must be in him. It's in him. When you are in him you will begin to have redemption through his word, through his blood. Glory to God. The, that wisdom of in him, in him, in him, in him was life. The same thing. In him was life. And the life was the word, the light of man. Glory to God. So he said, this is the message we have received of him. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Right? And he... That if we say that we, have, we fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So, so you're seeing the, wall, the, the term in, in, walk in. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship one with us. So we're talking about fellowship in him. When you are, as, as you are walking, you're having fellowship. But where is that ground of fellowship? It's in the light. Where he also is. He is in the light. So he's in the light. You will also be in the light. Glory to God. <coughs> but which light is this that you are both in? Of course, we know that he is light too. Then there's also light in him. But really, the light that you are both walking in is, is in God. Because that's the message that God is light, and in him is no word, darkness at all. So it says that if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, glory to God, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will do what? You see, the cleansing us from all sin is what they call redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, the word, even the forgiveness of sins. So let's go back there. Amen. Amen. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will do what? It will cleanse us from all sin. Glory to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 8 quickly says, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we, are you saying this is very key, right? Now I was explaining to you how the enemy has done investment in us. And part of that investment is this thing they are addressing here. That if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And on what? The word is not in us. Praise God. Glory to God. Let's see chapter 3 quickly just to read a bit of um, verse 1. Let's read it down a bit. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. It says, Behold, what manner of love, you see that, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall See him as he is. That word, see him as he is, is because of the shining of his light that makes you see him as he is. And everyone that had this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. Now, whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to do what? Take away our sins, and in him is no sin. When you put this together with where we read before, right, that for this purpose is the Son of God made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So the works of the devil here are what? This sins and what he calls sin. Praise God. We know that he was manifested to take away our sins 
and in him is no what? Sin. Praise God. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, do not, not let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For the purpose, for this purpose is the Son of God. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy what? The works of the devil. Now, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed, where does it do? It remaineth where? In him. And he cannot sin. He cannot sin. Because he is born of God. And then in this is the children of God. In this the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that we heard, he heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's word righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth where in death. And whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he's laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Glory to God. But whoso had this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Glory to God. I just want to stop there because of time. Um, praise God. Um, so you see, if we go back here, um, praise Jesus. He says, verse 9, quickly. He said that whosoever is born of God, you see that, does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. This is the answer. You know, when you see this verse, you should be happy. This answer, this answers the question that everyone had when they say, can someone be sinless? You know, that's a, that became a big question of controversy. Some people say you can't be sinless as long as you're on this earth. Um, why? Because almighty Satan has, is in control. So, and, you know, we are too weak. 
There's nothing God can do. God is helpless concerning Satan. Almighty Satan and his almighty sin. So as long as we're here, there's nothing we can, we are men, so you can't be sinless. There's actually, there's no good argument for that position, actually. There is no argument you can make that doesn't diminish the ability of God. Right? That doesn't make God seem too little. So you're saying Satan did something to man that God cannot solve. No, you say, no, 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 well, just symbolically in the spirit somewhere, you know, just somehow legally, spiritually, we are sinless. But you still lie and you still keep malice and you still, you still disobey the Holy Spirit. And your brother, you can have the world's goods and your brother come to you and you shut your bowels of compassion concerning towards him. (laughs) Doesn't God have an answer to that? To make you stop being that way? Or is God 1419? You are holy. Say, but God, I'm doing this... uh, Bad things, oh, don't worry, forget about it. My grace has covered it. Say, God, I'm just feeling bad. I stole yesterday. Hey, don't, don't, don't be sin conscious. Just confess you are righteous. God is not a fraudster. <laughs> but that hyper-grace message is, is lack of understanding. You know, Bad combination. When lack of understanding, now as an unholy alliance, huh? When lack of understanding has an only alliance with there's a kind of weakness. You know the, the weakness this man's number one weakness. The weakness of not wanting to be put down. Not wanting to be inferior. Not wanting to, the hatred of a state that, of of insufficiency, and of weakness. You know that nothing can be a, a great infirmity. All men have it. We all have it in one way or another. If you if you find an idea that will quickly that quickly validates that you are okay, you want to jump at it quickly, because you are afraid of the feeling of weakness. Of like Paul had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan. Say, for this I sought the Lord three times. But instead of the Lord removing it, the Lord say, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. 
Sometimes God's answer is that way. You know, when a Christian doesn't have the heart to, and Satan has done this, is a weakness. When it's an escape mentality, that's not really a deliverance. Right? It's like, we don't want to, maybe you have a bully in your street, and instead of doing what you need to do to overcome that bully, your dad brings the option of moving out. Ah! You just thank God. <laughs> We're moving to another neighborhood. Then in your mind, that guy never occurred. He never is a... So you cannot move to another neighborhood and be a champion in that new neighborhood because that bully is not there. But you're not really a champion. Huh? Because one day you can jam him in your in supermarket or somewhere. It means you are not safe. And you know that the, this enemy we are talking about, you can't move neighborhood. Because he goes about like a roaring lion. He will fish you out. As long as you are devourable. <laughs> See, he, your, your adversary, the devil, he goes like a roaring lion looking for what? So the answer is move, upgrade your state. There is answer in God. You know, our modern Christianity has gone to solve every other problem. We've abandoned the sin problem. We prefer saving the, the lost. You know the grand things? You want to evangelize the entire Middle East. You know those grand ideas? Let's take the world for Jesus. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do that. Those all we do. Praise God. Why? Because we tried this being holy thing and it wasn't working for a long time. Why was it not working? We tried to do it without delight. Then we now give up and said, all men are holy. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> you know, that's the hyper grace message. Once saved, forever saved. You just, someone just got a revelation one day. Huh? <laughs> Why are we all? <laughs> we are here by now all the righteousness of God. Let's move on. Let's go and win the lost. Let's go and build churches. Let's go and build things. Let's go and do other things. Amen. But that's not the nature of God. That's not the nature of God. is not like that. God is not like that. God is too merciful. He's too good. He's too awesome. He's too great. That God doesn't want to leave any work of the enemy standing. Whether it's the ones that are manifesting already, you know, they spoke about different ones here. They're the ones who have not been committed, but they are still somewhere. They are latent on the inside. 
whether the ones you are doing every day or the ones that you haven't done yet, God doesn't want to leave anyone standing. God wants to deal with them. He wants to remove them. He wants there to be that remission of sins, right? Glory to God. So the way he would do it is to make you born of God. Because whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Why? For his seed remaineth in him. His seed remaineth. And he cannot sin because he is born. Of course, this is not the new birth. This is not... This is being born of God. John chapter 1 says, Who are born? Right? That light, right? He became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Of his fullness, we received grace for grace and all of that. Then said, He came into the world. The world knew him not. He came to his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Which were not born of blood, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Bought of God. Are you seeing this birth of God here? That he that is born of God cannot what? Sin. Praise God. Peter, being born again, first Peter, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. First Peter 1 verse 23, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word, word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So those that are born of God, the reason why they, they do not commit sin is because the seed of God does what? Remain. It remaineth or it abideth in them. Right, that incorruptible seed, the, the incorruptible. So you see, the, the incorruptible seed, they are born of the incorruptible seed, not of corruptible seed. If they are born not of corruptible seed, they are born of the incorruptible seed. That's what he's saying here. How do you get born of an, the incorruptible seed? What, does, what is incorruptible seed? It is a, a type of seed that will come into your earth or into the, 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 the land of your heart. But I love, and, the, and this is how you know it's not being, this beyond being born again as a Christian. When you get born again, your spirit is raised. In your spirit, you are Christ. But this is not talking about that. It's talking about where they sow seed. Jesus explained seed sowing is the heart. Right? Which is in your soul. 
Praise God. That this incorruptible seed is a, a type of seed, which is a type of word. He calls it the word of God. If it's the word of God, it's a light. It's a kind of, it is a light seed. Amen. Amen. That when it's sown into the heart, it makes, it brings about, praise God, the state of living and abiding. Or in other words, it produces a kind of life and a kind of livelihood. A type of life and a type of livelihood. What you call the incorruptible seed, is, it, it, can be, it can seem like one tiny thing that you just sow into the heart. But what is inside that thing? It's clear that Jesus had that seed in him. Do you see everything we're seeing about Jesus? His own, his different response. He said this was a man who was a victor. Imagine a person who said, the prince of this world cometh, but he found nothing in me. Someone who was beyond Satan, beyond the devices of the devil. Why? What now? I know that that man, when you see Jesus as a man, you know that he wasn't just, he wasn't a seed. He was a son. Praise God. He was not just a seed. He was what? Or you can call him he wasn't a seed. He was a he was a life. He was, or you can call you can say Jesus. He was a manifestation. There is difference between seed and manifestation. Seed is word. That was what Jesus taught in the parable of the sower. He said the sower, so the, and he said the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So seed is word. There's a difference between seed and manifestation. <clears throat> so the, the purpose of seed or, to, or the purpose of word is to bring forth a manifestation. He said, this, for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest to do what? Destroy all the works of the devil. Glory to God. Uh-huh. So, that manifestation, now, let's just talk a little bit about this. What the details about manifestation. We know, of course, clearly that part of the manifestation, what it will produce is that it will deal with sin. Going, going for sin, to, 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 to deal with sin first, which is the remover, right? We have, um, whom we have access, sorry, sorry, through, redemption, sorry, through his blood, even the word remission of sins. We have, the, you have the remission of sin. That's one thing. When sin has been remitted, that's not all about redemption. You have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness. It calls it forgiveness here. Praise God. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
the, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, will cleanse us from all sin. So there is the remission of sin. There is a cleansing of sin. Amen. But when they talk of redemption, don't think about dealing with sin. Dealing with sin is part of the issue. Redemption is a, is a kind of... of um, a arrival as a state for a particular use. The reason why you have to deal with sin is so that that entity or your soul can arrive at the state. But the state is beyond sinfulness. A part of that state is that you cannot sin. Do you understand that you cannot what? You cannot sin. What makes an entity abide is inability to sin. When they say this one cannot sin anymore, then you have to say, is there anything that can stop him or her from abiding? There is nothing. So it's now an abider. So you see, living and abiding is talking about the fullness of manifestation of the incorruptible seed. Right? The incorruptible seed, when it reaches its fullness of manifestation, right, it's, it's, it it's arrives at a state where a kind of life manifests that, it's, that abided forever. That is not, it's not threatened by sin because of the seed of God, praise God, that is, that remain it. But it's not just sitting as a seed anymore. Of course, when you sow a seed, it's to produce a manifestation. Right? A seed should bring manifestation. The incorruptible seed has so much about it. What it does to the land and what it does to the ground of the heart. Amen. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes, Are you blessed at all? Yes, sir. Glory. So this is the this is the principle of the principle of in, of inheritance. Um or you can call it redemption. Let's see Ephesians 1, the way Ephesians 1 puts it. Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Verse 7. Okay, let's see. Verse from verse 5. It says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted where he has made us. That word made you accepted, it's made you meet to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. So that inheritance of the saints in light is in the beloved. Right, the beloved, having delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son or of his dear son. So that kingdom of his dear son is in the is the beloved. Praise God. So there's a way he made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see that, according to the riches of his grace wherein he had abounded with toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure you see that where which he had proposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Glory to God. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Praise God. You know, some of all these kind of tedious verses, these are the things that you need to know. <laughs> you know, it's easy to gloss, gloss over this part. Right? You know, there's a way people respond more to problem than answer. Have you ever noticed that before? Someone can come and then when you begin to talk about their problem, hey! <laughs> right? Why? Because that problem is too near, it's too, it's too relatable. You understand? You, but and preaching has two sides to it. As a preacher, you talk about problem, but you don't just talk about problem and go away. You understand? I was talking with a brother recently. And <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're just talking about, um, you know, some, some expression of Christianity, you know, some, some what, they, what we call the prophetic now in the church. You know, someone that will just come and tell, oh yeah, and tell you things. This one happened, you, ha you have this issue. Something that maybe something you are suffering with that nobody knows, only you in your secret. We just talk about it, describe it exactly, all manner of description and everything. And uh, we're just talk, talking and all of that. And um, we're talking, and, and, I, and I, I, I told the person that um, some of those gifts of the Spirit, I was just talking, some of the gifts of the Spirit that we have operated in, we've operated in at some point. And... Um, and after, when I told him that there's, some, that there's a time when I used, to, I used to do some of those things, and 
The first thing got shocked and said, what? <laughs> really? How? That I'm sure the person's mind, they can't relate this guy that just sit down and just be talking, just Bible from morning for hours. He can't relate. He was not interested. I not him, but and I didn't realize that after doing all those things, what next? And you know, the question he asked me was like, wow, wow. Almost like asking me almost as if like, wow, what kind of power? He said, how, how do you manage to, you know, to stop all those things and leave that and then focus on the, you know, just word and Bible? Right, you know, and almost the way he asked me, he felt as if, wow, that, so, so like, how do you get such discipline? You know, because the fellow, he, you know, brother, wonderful brother, he, He's been exposed to some things too, some kinds of ministers who does their waters and all of that. So um, maybe in his mind he couldn't imagine that someone that has some, those some kind of gifts, you're just coming down, just teaching the Bible every time, just teaching Bible. So it, in his mind he thought, ah, what kind of discipline? You know, how, how do you get that kind of discipline? And I told him, it's not discipline. He said, what do you want to say? Yeah, it's not discipline. That it's not about discipline. That. I told him that. It's just a realization that after all those things, what next? After the word of knowledge, the prophecy, what, what have you done? Do you understand what I mean? Then he, then he now said, ah, it's true. You know what he then realized? He now realized that Kai, most of the time, 99% of the time, when those prophecies, those gifts anointed are operating, it's always problem they are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what gets attention. You know, I gave an example of when he had a problem and then they had made the, the prophet now described the problem. They didn't tell him. The prophet picked it prophetically and then just described the problem. And then that was all. <laughs> that was the end of the administration. <laughs> and I said that, that something made him angry. After that, he said that it's like the, the guy didn't even pray well or he didn't even pray us. As if just that thing of being able to. Uh, and, I, and I experienced that thing a lot. Of time, and you, but you now wonder why are these people always coming here doing the same thing every time? The prophetic, the prophetic, the prophetic. I see this, I see that, ah, ah, and it doesn't end. There cannot, there cannot be a time when we say, okay, all the problems have now been solved by Jesus. Let's go on to do other things. Praise God. To me, that's a sign that it's not Jesus behind most of those things. Because that doesn't seem like the Spirit of God. It doesn't feel like the Spirit of God. When you read the miraculous in the Bible, the miraculous in the Bible is not like that. The miraculous is miracle. You won't see anywhere where they brought one prophet and the prophet was just there. 
talking, sin, sin, talking, sin, from morning to night and goes away after the end of it. That's not miracle. Jesus never did that. Jesus, every time he saw, he saw for a reason. Something happened. At one point, the Bible says he healed them all. <laughs> you now realize that a lot of what we call miraculous prophetic is just fanfare. It's just spirits. And some people will stay there and will be held down in such things instead of sowing into the word. A person will see that as interesting. But sitting down for hours learning the Bible will see it as nothing. Praise God. It's not discipline, it's just the realization that there's nothing, there's no point there. And it's just getting tired of wasting time, your own time, and the time. The time of others. Praise God. So like I was saying, I was just telling you about something in... The reason why we have such things in the body of Christ and it's still going on till today. Right? It's because... In fact, when they were running after Jesus, it wasn't even for prophecy. It's at least it was for bread. Real actual answer, you know, to hunger. <laughs> but the church is so, has, has so fallen that any charlatan who can come and tell you, right? And the person was telling me the kind of prophecy that some, prophe- some prophesied you can tell you the, the color of your underwear. That's <laughs> now imagine the church getting to that state. Where Christians who are redeemed by the blood, who are purchased <laughs> by this precious blood of Jesus, who come and gather for a guy to tell them what their color of their underwear or some number of your bank account. You know what I mean? Now imagine a prophet tells you the number of your bank account. Well, it's not like money, the money will increase or anything. <laughs> At least, I'm not telling you the bank account number. That's. Add one zero to the. <laughs> the devil hates the church. It, those things are caricature. I'm sure they dance in the street. They laugh at us. Look at them. They are, look at all these purchased by the blood of Jesus. Look at what they are doing. Amen. So like what I was saying, why I was saying this is because we are used to talking about problem. When you see someone that can talk about your problem, you get fixated. Whoa, but it doesn't mean, it's not, that's not alone, it's not enough. People have more interest in hearing about their problems than they have about solution. Sometimes, when you, after talking about the problem, when you begin to talk about the solution, sadness can set in. Do you understand? Yes, but you can't be like that. See, I won't be like that. I won't be like that. 
You know, there's a way I can preach one nice message about loss. I'll just begin to describe all the variation of loss that's worrying us. We'll be shouting, hey, that's my own, that's my own. That's the way. That's the way. <laughs> and we would do that. You know, we would do, I do that sometimes, but then sometimes we have, we have to now. <laughs> but it's on that side of it. I don't want to be talking about that all the time. Let's talk about redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. These details. The person who caused those problems has guaranteed himself that your mind will never go through the, the what it takes to understand redemption. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There's something, there's a feeling. The whole world is, you know, the, there's a way the world is. That is a hyper, hyper, um, what do you even call it? Hyper. Hyper-engagement, hyper-stimulation, too much entertainment, everything. Uh, you, you know that what the world has become, right? A lot of those things are investment against the knowledge of God. Because they know that God does not really use all those things. God just uses a raw Bible, just dry Bible. You know what I mean? And he, and he likes King James Version. Which is the driest of all of them. That has the Tao, D, all of those things. Everything that can make the light bulb of his soul just turn off and just zoom out. You know what I mean? Praise God. You know, there's a way you can like some things more than this dry thing. And we are doing everything to even let, let people even be trying to be encouraged. That's where things like, you know, the, you know, the choosing, right? That kind of story where they take the Bible, you know, just, just make it sweet, you know, let's just start. <laughs> I'm not against that. Too. It's better than watching, uh, what, do you, what do you watch? I love choosing. It's better than Game of Thrones or what else? Isn't it no more interesting? Right? I love all those stories they put around Jesus and his disciples, the, you know, creating fiction. I love it. It's good. It's good. So, it's, it, Praise God. Amen. I'm watching Iron Man and... What? Last, what? Last Airbender or something. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what, what makes me angry with some of those things is that at the end of the day, you now ask yourself, maybe two, three quarters into the movie, you now ask yourself, what are they fighting for? <laughs> at, at, the end, <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Praise God. It can never take one tiny step above vanity. But the chosen, that kind of fiction is good. So I have nothing again. I'm just telling you that the reason why that's needed a lot in our time is because if you open King James, so, so that might be the last hope for a generation, they feel, to even know about Jesus. Let's at least dramatize him and all of that. Amen. But you can't know about redemption through his blood by watching the chosen. You will. You, 
I mean, there's value in it, but you get what I'm trying to say. After watching, your problem will still be with you. But let's play the solution game, not the problem game. You must, for you to arrive at the answer against sins and all that, they have to drive your mind through these verses. Ephesians chapter 1. What are they talking about here? Can you, can you pass your mind through Ephesians 1, verse 1, and then bring it out from Ephesians 1, verse 23? Like a thread. Just pass it through and then bring it out on the other side. Let your, your mind go through every letter, every spirit, everything being written, every intent, every communication of thought, spiritual thought in the chapter, can you allow your mind to pass through it? You know, sometimes I can be teaching, I know that this part I'm talking about, and our minds are glancing over. I can, I can feel it sometimes. And sometimes it's when he hits some of those tedious things that seem a bit more far away. But one thing we don't know is that solution is far. That's why the problem has been with you. Do you understand? So when we talk about your problem, it feels nearer. If you can relate to what you shout, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. When I describe the fashion of loss that has been playing football with you for the last two months, hey, pastor, you know this. Oh, my God. You understand what I mean? But when I now begin to, to talk about the antidote to that lost, it's in a far, far world. That's why that loss has been so comfortable. But you need to allow, trust the preacher. Trust me. Let me take you on a journey to a strange place your mind has not gone to before. To go and fetch glory to God. To fetch what the, the answer. Amen. Amen. says, in whom we all also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who walked all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in who in Christ glory to God in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of 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 truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also that after you believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise verse 14 which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, you see that, of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So it's the earnest of our inheritance. So it's the earnest, it's not the inheritance, the Holy Ghost. It's the earnest of the, the down payment of the, it means the inheritance is still in front, right? So you, but you have a down payment until the, time when the purchased possession will be redeemed. What is the purchased possession? The purchased possession is the purchased possession is you. Is your is, is uh, the purchase possession is a land. 
which is the land of your heart. The land of your heart has been purchased. Every person's heart has been purchased. As long as you are born again, as long as you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Amen. Your, the land of your heart has been what? Purchased. But that which has been purchased needs to be redeemed. I've explained redeemed. What is redemption? Taking what? For use. Bringing it to a state for its right actual use. So the state you are purchased in is not a redeemed state. That purchased possession must be redeemed. Amen. The, there is what we call inheritance. Inheritance is also a land. Is also what? Inheritance is also a land, land of inheritance. Redemption is, the picture of redemption is when your land now becomes the land of inheritance in its final state or in its finished state. Why is it called land of inheritance? Simple. It's because the land, which is your soul, has a copy. Not just a copy, an exactness of its redeemed state in a person, in Jesus. So when you're looking at Jesus, you see, when you look into him, you see the land of your inheritance. Right? But when you check in yourself, you see a land. Right? But this land must somehow become the other land. And the way this land becomes the other land is that this land must journey into that land. That's the difference between when you're talking of heart versus land. In the physical, land doesn't journey into land. But in the spiritual, a land can move into another land. When it says you are in him, is your land coming into his own land. But land moves into land through metamorphosis, through change. As you are moving closer to him or into him, the characteristics of your own land begins to change and change. Until when you arrive at him, where he is, he says, oh, my own, when you check your own land, wow, this is exactly the same land. How do you know it's the same land? There are key ways you test a land. It's via those key properties of the land those are the things that you use to, that, that's what differentiates land from land. It's the key properties or key qualities of the land. 
that differentiates one land from another. That's, those are the key properties we used to identify the land of inheritance in Jesus. And that's how you measure your own land versus that land. Amen. Amen. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And everything about that has to do with land, your inheritance, this, this possession, this inheritance, is explained elaborately by the Bible. And this is the reason why you have to know the Bible. You have to know the Word of God. Amen. Now, just to describe this short, I have a very short time um, and we'll go, but I want to just describe something to you. I want to describe what your land is meant for. Or what, what is land really meant for? Right, what, what is land meant for? What is land meant to, um, meant to have? Or what is it designed to have? Praise God. Now, just clearly and evidently, the purpose of land is to bear Life. Praise God. The purpose of land is what? The purpose of land is to be a life. It's for the is for the land is for the is to is 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 to is for the situation of a life. Is for the support of a life. Land is meant to support life. Glory to God. Now everything, um, you know, the Bible speaks about. The Bible speaks about land in different ways. There are many ways that the Bible speaks about the utility of land. So utility of land is the utility of the heart. Right? It's the same thing. Everything you see about the land is what you see about what the heart is for. What the land is for is what the heart is for. Now, a land can do different things. A, a land can is used for there are, or let me say there are three main um, formats, forms of life expression that according to the scripture that the land is, is meant to bear. The first one is just a simple one of um, botanical life of plants or trees, right? So you need land for that, right? A land is a place where you sow seed and then what will happen? It will sprout. Everything about helping the life of that seed 
is in the land. Right? The type of the land, the quality of the land determines a lot about the seed. When you sow a seed, what can can this can will this seed the manifestation of life that is in this seed that this seed has a potential to produce can it come out depends on the land you need to sow the seed into the land right the land has a lot to do with what making the life manifest right so actually to properly define the purpose of land is for the my, is to support the manifestation of life. Is to carry the manifestation of life. Right. Do you agree? Yes. The seed, like I said, we saw it before that there is what you call the seed and then what? Like the manifestation. Seed and manifestation. What? You need, every seed needs something to manifest. It needs land. Land. Right? Land is for manifestation of seed, of a life, that of the seed life. It's for the purpose of land. Land helps culture, to culture the life of a seed. Right? That's one. Number two. Land is for also the manifestation of animal life. Right? If you want to raise a flock, you need a land. Right? If you want what we call husbandry, husbandry is for both Botanical and what? Animal life. So it's for the way land can support seed life, plant life. You also, land is also essential to support what? Animal life. Which is also a type of life too. In that land, you see that? Right, so see what I'm saying. I'm talking of quality. You want to have a certain kind of flock. When you say a flock, he's talking of an organization of an animal, right? Husbandry that has a certain kind of characteristic, flourishing, right? If you, if you want to do it in such a way that the, the, the natural way, not, you know, plant, you can cheat with anything. Plants, you can bring, <laughs> you can grow a plant inside this glass. Just put the thing here, put some things you need here and to be green, but that's not what I'm talking about. Those are just technologies. I'm talking about how it's meant to be, naturally. Everything you need for the seeds has it in the land. Same thing naturally in the animals. Everything you need is in the land. The food is in the land. You need a certain terrain for that to be healthy. If you're, what you want to raise is a mountain goat, you need a mountain terrain. Right? 
the kind of husbandry. So it means that the quality of the land will determine the quality of the life. When a shepherd is, who is a husbandman too, is taking care of his, his sheep, he can't do much better than the kind of land. If the land is not good, he has to go and be using artificial means to import food. But that importing of bringing hay, bringing, that's not natural. Is he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, causing to lie down in green pasture. Those are all, everything, the pastures in the land, right? Leadeth me beside the still waters, they are in the land. The waters for the, for the drink for the animal, the pasture for the food is all in the land. So are you seeing that the, the support for the animal life, that land really is for life? So as I'm talking about land, thinking of your heart, do you understand what I mean? To explain, the Bible uses the metaphor of land, and the Bible uses it in all different ways. Right, so you're seeing, right, check it, that's what land is for. Check everywhere land is used. Primarily, just primarily, naturally, is to support those kinds of life. The animal life, then you see, when you go dig the ground, there are organisms, all kinds of life are supported. Praise God. You see a lot of seas on land too. Do you agree? You say, no, what about birds? Yeah, birds, the air is just their, their mode of transportation. No bird sleeps in the air. Bird must have a nest somewhere. They nest at some place. Do you get what I'm saying? So all life is, is kept, carried by land. That's what land, land is for the, 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 what, the, the support of life. It's to help a life, it's to support a life. So you see, but you see life, amen, I just describe this very quickly. Glory to God. We have to be fighting some wars because I, I notice something sometimes. To get into the message, some things have to be in place. Amen. Amen. But sometimes it, the speed, I don't know whether it's my own infirmity. I'm, I'm, I'm also checking my heart. Maybe I should just come open your and we just go straight. But the, the spirit doesn't work that way. <laughs> just, I can just go and read some things and all, but you won't be blessed. Some, there's a way, uh-huh. but, but I believe that the Lord will be helping us. To, glory to God. Um, so when you think of life, I think of life just raw, raw, just raw life as its raw natural level. Um, happens directly from the ground. Seed to the ground, life will come, right? Fruit will come. An animal, most animal, a lot of animal life doesn't even need human, not every animal need husbandry. Most of animals on the air don't need anybody to be involved. Just, they have their land, they know what to do with the land. The land knows how to take care of the animal. You understand what I mean? There are animals who never come in contact with the human being one day in their entire existence. All they deal with is land. The land feeds them. The land gives them. 
takes care of them. The land collects their excreta and uses it. It does everything about them. The land can take care. It has its intelligence, its power to deal with life at that raw level. You get what I'm trying to say now? So that's a fundamental level. But you now see that there is a higher, there's a higher wisdom of utility for land usage when it comes to supporting of life. There is just simple, basic life. But then, and this is what you see from Genesis. Genesis, once we got into chapter 2, chapter 2 now brought another sense of, of life in Genesis, which is not, not just the life which the land is producing alone, but it, Genesis introduced the concept of a higher organization of life. What do I mean by that? I mean, it's also on the land. So you see, what, what did God do? You know, God what, dressed a garden. He created a garden. There was Eden. He created a garden eastward in Eden. When you say you are creating a garden, it means that you are bringing something, a kind of wisdom, which is the wisdom of lordship. Right, which is what God was doing. You don't need a Lord, really, for a land to just receive seed and let the seed come out. You don't need a Lord to be involved. Right? You don't need a Lord for, like Adam, if he's just about Carrying on naturally, eating, doing things like an animal. He doesn't need the Lord for that. When you, what you need, Lord, Lordship is, is, bring, is, the purpose of Lordship is to bring about an organization for a higher utility. Now, to, that, to tell you that life, life can be organized with wisdom for a higher purpose. Praise God. So you see, when God came in Eden, praise Jesus, Genesis chapter 2, God created a garden. So when God made man, the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. He put the man, not just on the bare ground, on the bare earth, he put the man in the garden. The garden is different from just, how do I know that there's a wisdom about the garden? You can tell that every tree, is not randomly. Trees had position. The key important trees were in the midst of the garden. That's, that's, that's garden sense. A garden is not like the wild. There's the wild and there's a garden. A garden, things don't just grow anyhow. There's an intentionality. There's an organization to how Things should look. Where should this tree be? Where should this tree stay? Where should this tree be planted? Then where should man be? Are you seeing that? What you see in Eden was uh, not just life. It was an organization 
of life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. Now, in the Bible, when land is being utilized, it's utilized at those simple level, right? And you, can, you have to learn life at that level. In other words, as a person talking about learning your heart, you, have to, you must know the wisdom of seed um, <laughs> flourishing. You must, know the, you must know the wisdom of what of leading and feeding on land pastures. Those are wisdoms that must be known. Now, and though, but those are actually basic wisdom. They are principles concerning your heart. Those are you must start with those things. You must know them. When you begin to learn just simple principles of, of, of spiritual, spirituality, everybody who is spiritual should know a lot about. You must know something about, about being fruitful. And you must know something about flocking. You must know about fold, flocks. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Aha. Uh-huh. But then... When your be- the learning begins to increase, you will now, the Bible now begins to teach not just about the basics of land utility, but begins to teach about types of life organization which, can be, which a land can support. It's still life, but life are in complexities. Do you agree with me? There is, you, can, you can learn the life of a tree, but then you can learn the life of a habitat, of a forest. Do you understand what I mean? You can learn, there's the, there's the I don't know, biology or what, what's the word, of a plant, you learn that. But then you can, someone who goes to the Amazon and learns the Amazon, is different from someone who goes to West Africa and learns West African jungle. What you be, but now you, are, you are learning beyond just pure biology or whatever. You are learning the organization of plants. Different species, different, you get what I'm trying to say? The, the local economy or organization on that particular type of land is different. You can go, for example, and study a pride of lions. It's different from studying a flock of goats. You, God, but at that level, what you are studying is not just principle of, of life. We are talking about principle of organization. Which is, but that organization, when you, are, when you go among a lion and you are studying their organization, what, how do they relate with their land? What's the, the relationship between a lion and their land is not the same as the relationship between a, a goat and their land. A, a lion on the land, the lion will say, okay, you have water, I will take your water. I don't care about your grass. I mean, the current lion now that seen has tampered, you know, that eats other, other animals. <laughs> I don't eat grass, I've, I've, I'm hotter than grass. A lion is more elevated, elev- something elevated a lion more than grass. 
it makes it sees grass as nothing. It's, it's a kind of meekness. A lion, a lion cannot be meek to eat grass enough. Something happened to his nature. He looks for other things. Other, th- right? Yes, to eat. Other things that are creeping like it. So the relationship between the land and the lion is not the same as, but when you go to where sheep are grazing, they and the land, they have a different kind of relationship. It's a closer relationship. They depend more on it. Praise Jesus. So when you are studying the sheep, beyond studying the anatomy, about whatever, how they reproduce, when you watch how they behave, do you know what? You are also studying a life. Yes, sir. What is a life is a form of organization. Praise God. Amen. Now, there are different components of organization of life. It includes, you have to study happy habitat. Study nutrition. Study their movement, transportation. I don't know. I know are, those things I know are in biology or something. There are different things about that. Things that when you want to really study a species, there are different things that you study. You have to study about the organization and many things like that. Glory to God. But you find that that organization, you can't separate the life organization from the land. The land must have the ability to support a certain life organization. Like a mountain goat will move towards more mountainous land. If your land doesn't have mountain, well, you may have nice things, but... I can't. You might have a very nice water, but I don't swim. I, I mount. So give me terrains to mount on. Then that's the right land for me. Now you can't bring a fish and bring a fish to a mountain or reason. It's going to die. You don't have what it takes to support me. You are not my type of land. Or you bring a land that has fresh water and bring a salt water fish. It's not the same. That's that that water or land cannot support that type of life. Are you getting what I'm trying? I'm giving you a sense of something. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So, when you are learning, you are learning the spirit. You are learning this, you know, what you are learning from the Bible, you are learning redemption. When you are learning your redemption, you must learn all the courses. You must be a land master. Do you agree with me? So you now see that when you are to learn God well, You must learn the organization of life that God wants to bring in the land of a man, of the heart of a person. Do you see that? You must learn what? Aha. So I spoke about animals and all that now. Let's think about man. 
God had, his, had an organization of the garden. That was how God structured things and say, this is the kind of place man should live. He put man there. I don't know what that garden looks like. We don't know too much about it. Praise God. We just know a few things. Maybe the kind of plants that was there. We know there were rivers from Eden, right? We know certain, when we know there were trees, we know then certain specific kind of trees were present. And we know there were animals there. Praise God. But the, that Edenic state, there's, that, there's Eden. Say Eden. Eden. There is Eden, which was where the beginning phase of man organization on the earth. Do you see that? But through the Bible, you see that when God was teaching about the soul, that's what the Bible is teaching, you, f- you find different phases of God representing life organization, right? For different kind of life economy at different seasons. But every one of them is on, is tied to a specific type of land. Land of beginning can accommodate Eden. Eden life organization. Do you know that's one type of land? Then, I'm not talking about all the, no men have done all kinds of things. Cain, one of the things that sin taught man is what to do with land. Right? It means that sin has its own instruction about what to do. He started instructing Cain. Cain took land. The land seduced him. He started building. He started building life organization that came out of a, a, a seed, a wrong seed. The seed of Satan was finding expression in him. So, so of course, you don't go and try and study this. He didn't give us too much detail of what the city of Cain looked like. But we, don't know. we know that somewhere it will, it will look like our own somehow. The way the the life is organized. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. But, but, but the Bible, you have to follow. What, when you want to learn, you have to learn the models that God instituted. So, For example, you can't learn Egypt. Do you agree? You shouldn't learn Egypt. You shouldn't learn Babylon. But how do you know the kind of place, organization to learn? You have to follow the, every place where God instituted a way to live, a design to live. That's the, that's the point of learning. Do you see that? So you see, after the fall, after the fall, God didn't, God never gave any right of settlement for anybody. 
Adam, after the four men, he drove, his men went to settle around Babel, built tower. God drove them away, scattered them around the earth. Then after a while, chapter 12, God then found the man, Abraham. He was settled in the awe. So you can't learn the awe of Chaldean's life. It's clear God didn't approve all life. God told Abraham, the man he wanted to save, get up from this place and begin to move. There's a land that I will show you. There's a land that you need to, that I will need to build and need to use to build an, an organization of life. You see that? God never approved. The first time you saw God, you see, even, even though Abraham migrated and all of that, you never saw God directly authorizing any settlement. Movement, movement, transitioning. Jacob ended in Egypt. Right, Joseph and then Jacob. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It wasn't God authorizing settlement. It means God wasn't there, even though God was in operation. You understand what I mean? You don't see that in the Bible, the first place God authorized a type of settlement was wilderness. Say wilderness. wilderness. So that would tell you that if you want to start with God, wilderness is the beginning point of, of life, approved life organization of some type. God didn't speak about organizing Israel, numbering them, nothing, until he could bring them out into wilderness land. Do you understand what I mean? It means that it means that Egypt ground, even though they like it, it can produce cucumber and garlic <laughs> and all manner of things. It can produce pyramids. But when they were in Egypt, God wasn't okay with that. God did not approve. God said, this is not a land that is good enough for me too. It means the land of, the, of Egypt is in fit. You say, ah, oh, it's fruitful, it can be a cucumber. No. God said, no, that's not that type of land we start with to help a soul to journey from they being purchased to they being redeemed. Glory to God. There is something called wilderness heart. So that means that when God wants to begin to lead you, to redeem you, he will come into your, the, the ground of your heart and make it a wilderness. If you say, God, ah, wilderness, no, wilderness, not nice. Nobody wants your land to be wilderness. <laughs> but why God will need it to be a wilderness, there are, there are some kind of things, mode of living, that only wilderness will support. Wilderness. It must be wilderness to support some kind of of living. Praise God. I can't go further than this because of time. Thank you, Father. Shelly Mbra Suvena. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Sherez Mas Tahalisio Eston Tahelitios Lambranto Shembrahato Enfahata Enkahata Enkrohata Satohata Mandolio Hata Sepanyanti Hata Omikasa Sumiherdo Seven and Oz Lementusti Enfon Tofron Tosti Mikahon 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 Enfahon Ekrehon Shendehon Enfrahon Sai Hata Tata 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 Onemehatia seherata hatia, emenondi hoste, lemino veno feresa, epa. Just pray, pray of surrender to the Lord. Just ask the Lord that there's something about Jesus. He's, he's asking for hearts. He's looking for hearts. He wants hearts. He wants hearts to yield to Him, even for what He intends to do. For he has plans, he has visions, he has purposes, he has businesses, he has things, transactions. Just begin to pray. Ask for grace of surrender. Grace for surrender. In this time, in this season, in this season there's so much, so much. Evanaha, Vanosa, Venata, Evanahosa, Evanata, Amante, Endre Ecomeno, Etanosa. Oh, oh, thank you. Ask for grace for yielding to Jesus, to give him every inch of that which he purchased, his possession. Say, Jesus, I want to teach me, help me. Help me to yield your possession to you. To give you your possession. That which is you purchased by your blood. So you can redeem it. Even through your blood. When I sought Alamarata, help me. Help my heart. In this season, there are ways of yieldedness. For each one of us, uniquely. 
wisdom of yielding there's a wisdom of how to yield how to yield to the Lord how to yield to Jesus how to give it to him help my heart with mercy help us help us Jesus help us Jesus help us Jesus help us Jesus never and I and for all Miss Renion Nimisoni, enemy and Vatushi, Evanatos, submission to the spirit of redemption, submission to the spirit of redemption, Sedenem Vata, the spirit of inheritance, Nesiata, help her heart, heaven a heart, then help her heart, heaven a heart to heart. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We give you praise. Amen. Father, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you. We, I can perceive you just coming and asking, yielding. You're asking for a ground to work, a space to work. We will give you, a, Lord, ground give you space knocking at the door of our heart that we should grant you access I pray Lord you will help every one of us Lord for the wisdom of these things Lord to, so we can partake of that great ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ he said that the thief cometh not but to steal to kill and destroy but I have come that you may have life Lord Jesus your ministry of life pray, O oh Lord, let the, for the flourishing of life, the ministry of your life, that for which you came, that life will flourish, that life will increase. I pray, Lord, let that spirit of increase, the grace for increase, wisdom for positioning, even, Lord, for, for increase in times of increase. I pray that it be upon every soul and upon every heart. Lord Jesus, come and have your way with us. Come and have entrance. Find entrances at every time, at every point, at every turn. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Help, help our hearts. Help us to submit fully to you in our minds, in our soul, in the depth of our heart. Thank you, our God. We give you all the praise and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.